0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome, everybody, into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sun Belt Podcast. I am your host, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, Brian Stone, joined by Z- Georgia State writer for the site, Zeke Palermo. Zeke, it's finally here. We're getting real actual football after a little bit of a taste last week with uh, the week zero games.
1: Dude, I'm so pumped. Um, I, we've been waiting since January for this. Um, and I think this will probably be uh, one of the best Sunbelt years yet, just with all these new teams. A lot of really exciting talent. So I'm really pumped to actually get to watch some football.
0: For sure. So uh, one thing that Zeke and I wanted to talk about kind of off the top, uh, as is the case all the time when you record a podcast, news drops immediately after you record it. And while it's in the process of being edited and can't really go back and, and update it. But I think it was a day or two after we dropped uh, or recorded our last episode, uh, Marshall came out with a statement that they're running back Rasheen Ali who led the the nation in rushing touchdowns last year, is going to be away from the team indefinitely. Uh, I read the statement from the coach. Uh, it's pretty vague all around. I'm assuming it's something to do with family based on how it was written. Um, Zeke, if he's away from the team, just looking at this from a football perspective, for let's say half the season, I I think I have to drop him to like drop Marshall to like fourth or fifth in the East Standings. I think he's kind of what makes that entire offense go. And I know that Henry Columby is your boy, uh, as we talked about last <laughs> week, but even you kind of have to admit, like, he's the engine of their team. Am I correct?
1: I mean, without a good running back, no team is going to be super successful save for in the Sun Belt where you have these super pass-happy teams. Uh, but, I, you know, glad Ali's doing whatever he needs to get Whatever it is sorted out, be it physical, mental, family, whatever. I'm glad he's taking this time. But, um, I mean, Marshall just lost the – to say the most important part of their offense is an understatement. So I agree. They drop a couple spots in the standings. Uh, As we'll get to later, it won't really impact them week one. But as you get into those week four, week five games, start to play conference games, it could really come back and uh, hurt the team.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so getting into uh, this weekend's games, uh, let's start off with Friday night. Uh, Virginia Tech travels to face Old Dominion, uh, in Norfolk. Uh, kickoff is at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Virginia Tech, kind of surprising to me at least, just an eight and a half point favorite, uh, over under 49 and a half. Um, I don't really know what to expect out of Virginia Tech. You know, mm-hmm. they, they finally get rid of uh, the Justin Fuentes era or error, I'm sure, for a lot of uh, mm-hmm. Virginia Tech fans has finally ended. They went and got Penn State defensive coordinator Brent Pry to be their new head coach. I, I don't really know what to expect out of them. Um, I'm going to say I think Old Dominion keeps it close Closer than the line suggests, but that's just based off. I mean, that's just like a hunch, like a gut feeling for me. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But, but like I said, we'll have to see how that all pans out. Um, Virginia Tech's underwhelmed the last couple years um, and haven't really been the same since Frank Beamer retired. So, so kind of give me your thoughts on this game.
1: Yeah. Uh, with a new head coach as well as a new quarterback. Uh, Agree, I can't really make heads or tails, but I feel the same about Old Dominion. I feel like we were both kind of hemming and hawing about how well will Old Dominion do uh, when we previewed the two uh, the Eastern Division. Uh, that said, because both teams are kind of, we don't know at this point, you've got to revert to the default, well, who's just the better team? Who's the better program? I've got Virginia Tech.
0: Yeah, I've got Virginia Tech in a close one. Um, I actually would sort of, I I don't know, I don't, I don't have any inside information on this obviously, but I would sort of lean, I think under here, if you were going to bet the over under of 49 and a half, I just think that anytime you get a defensive minded head coach like pry coming in, I think that they tend to want to run the ball, play ball control, control, you know, the spot on the field where the ball is and just sort of be pretty uh conservative um and i don't i don't know that i foresee virginia tech being the type of team that's just going to go pure air raid so i think this is this is going to be close i wouldn't be surprised if virginia tech pulled this one out and it was like 27 21 or 27 20 was the final Um, so so that's kind of where i'm going to plant my flag on that one um getting into the next game let's start off saturday at noon uh, North Carolina visited visits Boone to take on Appalachian State. The line on this one as it sits today is even uh, which means you know there's no Vegas doesn't see a, 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 an advantage for either team at this point. Um, over under 56 North Carolina played a incredibly under understaffed or under you know whatever term you want to use uh, Florida Florida A&M team. Yep. in Week 0, and, I mean, they scored a bunch of points, but it's like if it's Florida A&M and they're missing, I think it was like 20 players or something like that, I mean, you should score 56. Uh, their quarterback, David May, looked good, although, again, you have to take into account who they played and, and all the circumstances around that. Zeke, give me your thoughts on this on this one, and then I'm going to kind of give my prediction, I think, as to what's going to happen in this.
1: Okay, so... um much like you felt, I was I was left underwhelmed by UNC's beat over Florida A and M. I think allowing 24 points worries you, especially when you're going to go play a team like Act State that has the potential to drop 40 on you any given week. Um, you mentioned Drake May; I really liked his game. Uh, whether he'll be able to sustain it over the you know next couple of weeks against better teams, we're not sure yet. But as of now, he looks like he's a a really good air to the uh, the hole that Sam Howell has left after he went pro. Um, I've got App State by, uh, you know, maybe a touchdown, maybe a touchdown and a field goal. Um, I usually, as we'll get into later, I'll usually pick the team that has had the chance to play a game already because you can't understate the value of having game experience. However, I was not left – you know, starstruck by what UNC did against a far worse Florida A and M team. Uh, I've got App State by probably just one score.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think App wins this one um, by by a touchdown or so. Uh, I like I said, I didn't love what I saw from North Carolina, uh, and they seem to. It's kind of crazy because when you look at North Carolina's program, you're like, "Wow, Mac Brown's the coach." You know, he brings this uh, national championship-winning pedigree over from his previous job at Texas, but that hasn't really translated outside of one good season, like you said with with Howell. Because when you go back and look, like I I had to look to say how actually good was that UNC team that was like seemed to be so loaded on NFL talent with like Javante Williams and Michael Carter. They finished eight and four. I mean, they yeah. were third in their their division in the ACC. So I thought that they were actually better than that. But to say I, I think they'll just be chasing that eight and four high, you know, forever because it's a basketball school and all they want with their football team is just not to be embarrassed um, every Saturday. But I just see App beating North Carolina. They're they're a, a more stable football program at this point so mm-hmm. give me app um moving on to the next game 330 eastern time kick uh we just talked about them a little bit marshall takes host norfolk state i don't think we're, we've got too much to talk about here even with the loss of ali i mean obviously i don't foresee marshall losing to to an fcs team um so kind of give me your brief thoughts and and we'll move off of this one because there's not a whole lot to talk about
1: Yeah, not a ton to talk. Um, I think this will be, as you mentioned, my boy Columby. I think this will be a great opportunity for him to kind of hit the ground running uh, without the uh, ability to just kind of hand it off to Ali all day. Um, You know, he may see more passing attempts uh, than he normally would. So I think this could be a very good tune-up game, and I'll be saying that a lot uh, today, and I'm sure you will as well, especially against these FCS programs. But I think Marshall should win this one by a considerable margin. Uh, two touchdowns at the least. Um, but as we said, you know we, how that predicts into the future without Ali, I'm, I'm not in the business of making that kind of guess right now.
0: Yeah, I, like I, like I said, I, I think uh, I think Columbia this is a good um, way to start the season. I think if they want to get him some reps in game situations, to see what if he can, you know, kind of carry the offense on his back. I think this would be a good opportunity to see if that can can kind of take place or if they're gonna need to learn lean on another uh, a running back with Ali being out. Mm-hmm. Um one team that's not gonna be able to take it easy is uh Troy. Uh at four not o'clock right. SEC network they take on number twenty one Ole Miss in Oxford. Mississippi 21 and a half point favorite over unders 58 uh, w- welcome to the head coaching job, John Summerall. Now you get to face Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Yeah. Um, now I will say they do benefit a little bit. They, they miss out, uh, and don't have to, to face Matt Corral and that, that team that Ole Miss put out last year, which was deadly. Um, you know, Ole Miss breaking in a new quarterback, Troy. I talked about Gunnar Watson on my breakouts episode last week, um, um, However, I just don't think that they are in the same stratosphere as Ole Miss. Um, I just – I think this one could get ugly pretty fast. Ole Miss likes to play like a real up-tempo, no huddle. You know, they do that uh, – what is it, the sugar huddle? Is that? Is that where they kind of huddle, but they don't really? Yep. And then they just run right up to the line and snap it. I think Summerall's defense uh, in week one is is in for a real rude awakening um so I'd be shocked if they could keep it within 17 of Ole Miss at this point and that's not like really a knock on Troy it's just like that's a whole other level of competition
1: yeah um I mean we both spoke at length previously about the Troy defense but Ole Miss uh, they're ranked 21st right AP poll has them at 21 they could climb higher after this week there's not much Troy's gonna be able to do other than tread water for a half of football um, so as you said you know 17 points feels adequate as long as you can keep it close at half I think that'd be a considerable win in the eyes of the Troy program obviously you're not winning the game but uh, that's bright signs if you can keep it close at half
0: yeah I think I think if you could just put up you know relatively a fight I think that that would be a good way to kind of start off. Rawls tenure and also you know sort of the season and show you know we're not going to do the same thing same things we had done under Chip Lindsey so mm-hmm. yeah I, I, like you said if they can keep it keep it close for a half of football I mean you know that might be a good place to start for Troy in 2022. Um, getting into our next game where there's not going to be a lot to talk about in this one much either. Um, South Alabama welcomes Nichols to Mobile. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just, you know, South Alabama in a route for me. Um, there's not, there's not even like betting lines on these types of games. So I think the thing I'm most interested in, uh, is seeing, like I said, if one of, if one of my other breakout picks, Jalen Wayne starts the season off hot or, or what the offense kind of looks like for South Alabama.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's going to be, what are we looking for? Is Jalen Wayne able to pick up, um, where Jalen Tolbert left off. I believe Carter Bradley is the starter for South Alabama. Is he going to be able to settle in as the uh, as the uh, starter? One thing I will note, though, last time South Alabama played in FCS school, they only won by seven. That was against Alcorn State. Um, but if we're going to look at this game realistically, what can you realistically expect? Yeah, South Alabama by minimum 17.
0: Yeah. I don't even with you could throw all the variables you want at this game. I just don't I don't see Nichols being able to keep it within Mm. two scores. Uh, And I could see this one being relatively low scoring with a new starting quarterback. And, and, um, you know, Kane Womack being sort of a defensive guy for South Alabama. I could see it being 38 to 14 or something like that. Um, So moving on from this one, next game up. 530 kick uh, Eastern time, Reno, Nevada, Texas state travels a couple states over to play Nevada, Nevada with a pretty underwhelming win in week one at new or week zero rather at New Mexico state. They won 23 to 12. Um, I didn't watch this game to be quite honest with you. Uh, Their starting quarterback, Nevada only threw for 51 yards on 12 completion or seven completions um I I don't know what do it I don't know what Texas State's going to look like with Lane Hatcher at QB but I feel like if Nevada turns in another performance like that that they did against New Mexico State I think Texas State might be able to pull it off what do you think yeah
1: I, I think this will be one of the um you know even though neither team is going to be you know reaching for the 8P polls I think this will be one of the better games of the weekend uh we've got a couple more uh we'll get to later that are going to be you know real exciting exciting must-watch, uh, but Texas State-Nevada, neither of us high on Texas State, um, and as I alluded to earlier, I'm just going to take Nevada here solely because I really like that they had a game already, that they have had this ability to put 11 v. 11 in a, over a game of 60 minutes, and uh, that's hugely important to me, uh, especially in the beginning of these seasons, uh, because you can shake off the rust so much quicker than a team like Texas State. Obviously, they've played a game. You know, they've played their preseason, what have you. But um, uh, I'm going to take the the game under their belt,
0: Nevada, in this one. I'm I'm actually going to take the Bobcats in this one. Um, okay. I Nevada there there just wasn't a lot to like last week mm-hmm. um, against a New Mexico State team that's. You know, sort of starting over with uh, new head coach Jerry Kill in his first game. Um, but yeah, give me the Bobcats. I, I, I want to see what Lane Hatcher can do uh, with a with a head coach that'll you know stick with him for a full four quarters instead of trying to yank him out every yeah. other every other series. Um, next game on the slate six o'clock. Morgan State visits Statesboro to take on Georgia Southern. Uh, again, no betting lines or anything on these FCS versus FBS games. Georgia Southern starting over uh, new head coach, uh, new quarterback in Kyle Vantrese. Um, Yeah, I have to assume it, the offense is going to look wildly different, obviously, um, because they didn't bring in like an option-focused uh, head coach. Um, f- personally, for me, I think – the offense, no matter what it looks like is as long as they can run the football, which is always, which has been their strength for years. I I'm fine. Like if the passing game's not fully fleshed out or developed, I, I get it. They mm-hmm. haven't, they haven't been a throwing football team. Um, yeah. However, defensively, if they can't stop the pass for me going to be another long season in Statesboro, yeah. Zeke, what do you think?
1: Um, to that point, that's what these early seasons are, or early season games are for, right? It's so that you can figure out what's going to work, figure out what we're actually going to look like now that we're playing real football. Um, Georgia Southern, for as bad as we both anticipate them being, Morgan State is even worse. Uh, they're one of the bottom-of-the-barrel uh, FCS schools. They went 2-9 and nine last season, and get this. Average margin of loss for Morgan State last season was over three touchdowns. So lo- they were losing games by an average of twenty-two points, That's so no great. matter how poor, you know, we could throw UMass out there, yeah, and yeah. I, I'm still picking them over Morgan State.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what uh, Georgia Southern kind of puts out there. I'm interested, like I said, to see the the new offense, and and um, yeah, so we'll kind of go from there. Uh, another six o'clock kick. This one. A lot closer than some of the other games, as far as, uh, you know, looking at favorites and things, uh, that we've been looking at. Middle Tennessee State visits, uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia to take on James Madison in JMU's, uh, F- FBS debut. JMU, a six point favorite in their first ever FBS game against another FBS opponent. little surprising, but I think James Madison wins this. Um, I like a lot of the the um, structure that that program has with the Kurt Signetti and all that. Um, like I said, I, I read off some of the stats a couple weeks ago when we did our East preview. They they usually dominated the FCS level. I don't think they're just going to walk in and dominate the the Sun Belt, but I think that the top the top tier of the FCS can compete with sort of the bottom feeding FBS teams. And I think James Madison comes away with a win here at home.
1: Uh, you know, uh, this this will be an upsetting take for a lot of people who are fans of non-Power 5 football. Uh, I don't buy James Madison, at least not yet. Um, I just can't feel right about saying the top FCS school is better than the bottom FBS, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, the, you've got more money better facilities, more coaches, you know, you've got more scholarships to throw at better players. So even though on paper, James Madison last year, 15 points a game, points per game allowed. Their defense was holding opponents to only 15. Middle Tennessee was only winning games where they were scoring over 30, right? Mm -hmm. So even though on paper you're looking at this, and, you know, this could be a a big statement, you know, program-defining win for James Madison, I don't in good faith can't say that James Madison in their first FBS game is going to come in and win. Last time they played in FBS school, 2019, they lost that game, right? If we come yep. back next week and I'm wrong, I'll eat my words. But I don't buy it this early.
0: Okay. That's that's fair. I just I like what I've seen out of them for years uh, mm-hmm. at the FCS level and I think it's going to translate I mean, obviously, like I said, we're, we're going to be talking about something completely different when it comes time for, you know, James Madison to play the contenders of the Sun Belt. But right. like I said, we'll have to see how all that all pans out. But I've got James Madison winning this game. Um, all right. Next game in the slate, seven o'clock Eastern. I think this is pretty much the Sun Belt. Sun Belt game of the week. Um, Army comes to Conway, South Carolina to take on Coastal. Coastal, just a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Army is always a tough opponent. I'm I'm just going to start off by saying that. However, I just think Coastal... I I think Coastal's going to have a rough year of it if they find a way to lose to Army because all you have to do against Army, and I I say that acknowledging that it's not like a layup, but all you have to do is be able to score a little bit Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: teams that run the triple option cannot typically score at will you know what I mean like they're not hooking it all over the yard so I like Coastal Carolina in this game I I mean I I wouldn't be shocked if it was close but I just I I can't trust Army to come in and and beat them in Conway week one I
1: what do you say about Army man like as you kind of alluded to there's nothing to say about Army from a football perspective that gives you a real clear idea of how this game is going to unfold because Army is year and year out this weird bogey team for good teams. They come in, they play their triple option, which I love, but they it it messes teams up, right? Just like yep. uh, Southern did for years in the uh, in the FCS level. Was you play the triple option, teams aren't ready for that. Yep. That said. Coastal has had the full off season. Obviously, they're not spending the whole off season preparing for one triple option team. But you've had more than just one week to prepare. I think this team is good enough. Um, that front line with Josiah Stewart and Gerard Clark, I think, is going to be able to hold the Army rushing attack at bay. Just long enough for Coastal to build that lead. And as you mentioned, it's difficult for these triple option ground-and-pound teams to play while down a score. So I've got coastal.
0: Yeah, um, you know, having like you, you like you alluded to with um, Georgia Southern. You know, I've seen what happens when these types of teams get down two scores, even if it's ten points. It's just so it's such an uphill climb. Defensively, you're always just praying for turnovers, like a fumble to fall into your lap, or you know, uh, McCall to throw an interception, which. He doesn't do a lot, which also makes it tough. Uh, a lot of times teams like Army capitalize when they play against uh, quarterbacks that turn the ball over a lot and he just doesn't do that. He's pretty efficient with with throwing the football. So I mean unless coastal Carolina is just taking this huge step back, I, I'm taking the chance here. I think that they I think they beat Army and I think it's fairly comfortable. Sure. I'd say like ten for ten to fourteen points as far as a win goes. So and you
1: said the spread is what two and a half two on and that
0: half Coastal Carolina.
1: I'm curious if that is a product of Army just being Army, or if the odds makers really think that Army is capable to keep keep it within three.
0: Well, I think. And I obviously I can't speak for odds makers because I, I don't make the lines, but I think I think what they're looking at is number one, you know, Coastal did lose a lot as mm-hmm. far as like playmaking goes. You know, they lose Isaiah Likely, they lose Javon Haley, they do get Sam Pinkney at receiver. We talked about from Georgia State, but they lost a lot on defense too. Um, even though they still have you know those guys you mentioned and DeJordan Jordan Strong at corner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just don't know what to expect until they see coastal play right. um but honestly i just have a hard time seeing a team with grayson mccall at quarterback not be able to score points so yeah. so give me coastal um like i said if they do find a way to to fall to army i think it's good it might be a long season in conway uh if they can't get it figured out but i don't i don't foresee that happening sure. um the other one of the other seven o'clock kicks, we've got Liberty visiting Southern Mississippi, uh, in Hattiesburg. Liberty is a three and a half point favorite. Over under is 49 and a half. I think I'm gonna call I'm gonna call for the upset. I think Southern Mississippi brings down Liberty at home. Um, I I just think, you know, if Malik Willis was still at Liberty, i I'd, I'd pick Liberty handily. Um, but we I don't know what their quarterback situation looks like now. And I do think Frank Gore Jr. is a is a great running back. And if they can just keep from having, you know, eleven different guys throw a pass uh, yeah. in this for southern Mississippi, I think they might be able to pull it out. So I'm I'm gonna go ahead and pick them for the upset.
1: Uh, I've got Liberty here and as we talked about last week, I love Frank Gore Jr. Liberty only allowed 140 rushing yards per game last year. And that is just not enough to propel an offense uh, that doesn't really have a passing identity yet, yeah? We still don't really yeah. know what's going on at quarterback. We still really don't know, like, who their top receiver is. Like, we can have the depth charts all we want. We don't know what this team is is as a passing game because we haven't seen them run a real offense since, like, November or October because they ran the wildcat for three weeks. Um, and because of the uncertainties in that passing game and Liberty's ability to, if not stop at the very least, control the opposing rushing game, I've got Liberty.
0: Well, the funny thing is, you know, you say you have uncertainty in the passing game for Southern Miss. I mean, I don't know what to expect out of Liberty's passing game either. You yeah, know, no, Transfer Charlie Brewer comes over. He has transferred twice now. He's on the the Jake Bentley career path, where he's <laughs> he's going to play at nine schools before he tra- before he graduates. Um, comes over from one season at Utah last year, uh, after playing a couple years at Baylor before that. I I think I do think Hugh Freeze is a good offensive coach. He's a good offensive mind. No matter what you think of him outside of football. Um, but, like you said, I don't know what to expect out of Southern Miss' passing game, but I feel the exact same way about Liberty. Sure. So I'm going to take Southern Miss in the upset. Obviously, when things start to crystallize a couple weeks in the season, I feel like I'll have a better feel for what each team can do. But mm-hmm. since we are we haven't even seen either of these teams take the field in 2022, I'm just picking – I'm shooting from the hip. So yeah. that, that's what I'm going with. Um Another seven o'clock Eastern time kick we have on Saturday is Southeast Louisiana visiting Louisiana, the Cajuns at Cajun Field Lafayette. Um no line in this one. First head first uh, game as a as an official full time head coach for DeSormo. Um we'll see what Louisiana can do, but I I don't foresee them having any issues with Southeast Louisiana.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, last time they played, I think that game was only decided by three points, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. But, I mean, let's be real. Louisiana, they're, if not the best, you know, they're the second, maybe third best team in the Sun Belt, Southeast Louisiana. Uh, As I continue to dunk on FCS schools this entire evening as we record this, uh, they're not going to put up a fight.
0: No, I think Louisiana's got a lot to prove that they didn't completely – you know they didn't lose their edge, yeah. Uh, uh, when you know their head co- their old head coach uh, left for Florida, so we'll see, we'll see what they end up looking like. I think they're going to look a lot like they have been. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, you know they've got a new quarterback that they're breaking in as well, but I think they've always been. You know their foundation's always been good defense, strong run game. I think you can lean on that, especially in these early parts of the season and. Sort of figure out what you're doing in the passing game from there. Um, all right, next next game up, seven o'clock. Uh, another FCS uh, match versus Sunbelt matchup. Arkansas State welcomes HBCU team Grambling to Jonesboro. Um, I I have this penciled in as one of Arkansas State's layup wins this year mm-hmm. um, because heading into doing my preview, there weren't many. Um, outside of, let's see, I'm looking down their schedule. UL Monroe, I think, was going to be a win for them. And then UMass. And those are pretty much the three that I think are going to be layups, uh, including this game with Grambling. So, you know, we'll see if they look any more balanced. We'll see if they can, you know, at least put up a semblance of some defense and not have to play a shootout game with with Grambling.
1: Yeah, um, as much as we would love to – break this game down, right, and talk about is Arkansas State on the right pass, right path or wrong path in terms of is Butch Jones the guy, is this pass, pass, pass thing the right option. We're not going to gain a ton from Grambling State. We know Arkansas State's going to score, what, 40 points minimum? Yeah. So it's going to come down to is that defense good enough to make a couple stops? Mm -hmm. I think they are against Grambling State, a team that was held to 10 or less – five times last season, five times they scored less, 10 or less points. So it's not like they're playing a, you know, the Alabama of offenses out here. Um, But it is going to be important for Arkansas state to really make a couple stops, Um, you know, force a turnover or two, Um, play really good, you know, first and 10 defense. Uh, Because if you don't, then you start to look at the rest of the season, these games that aren't necessarily layups and that aren't going to be blowouts in the other direction, these more toss-ups, and you think, do we have the defense in place to actually win some ball games? So as much as you want to toss this game away, it's going to come down to, can Arkansas State's defense make some stops?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, they, they desperately need a complete overhaul on the defensive side of the ball, and I think this is a good... Not test, obviously, but I think it's a good opportunity to kind of sharpen their their skills before the the meat of their schedule comes up. Because you know, week two they play at Ohio State, yeah. So you know, you got a long a long stretch ahead of you after this game. So better pick up the the easy ones when you can. Um, next game on the slate: Your Georgia State Panthers visit South Carolina uh, in Columbia. Uh, Spencer Rattler's first game at the helm for the Gamecocks. South Carolina's a 12 and half point favorite over under's 57. Give me sort of your thoughts on this game since you are the Georgia State guy. Is, do you think there is a chance that they pull off an upset in this one?
1: There is a chance. Georgia State, lots of people may remember, nearly beat Auburn last season, yeah? And I may be wrong in doing this. I'd say Auburn and South Carolina – are in the same strata of football team. However, yeah. Georgia State last season, as you talked about uh, when we previewed, very Jekyll and Hyde. You know, mm-hmm. they showed up against big teams, and then they would get blown out by UNC the next week. They would stomp all over the you know the tiny men of uh, the Sun Belt, and then lose to them the next week. Yeah, what Georgia State team are we going to see? Are we going to see the Georgia State team right that came out? and played incredible football in Auburn, right? Are we going to see the team that walked all over Ball State in the bowl game? Is South And it really, for me, comes down to that. I like We could get into players and stats and numbers. It's just like I think Georgia State has the potential to, at the very least, keep this within one score based on what we saw last season. However, they need to actually do that as opposed to just show up to play football.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, we talked about this uh, when we when we kind of talked about the East, but Georgia State once again drew a really tough start to their season. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if they want to avoid, you know, falling in that hole early like they did last year, I think they have to show up in this one. Um, now, you know, Spencer Rattler, things definitely ended poorly for him at Oklahoma. You know, turned the ball over a ton, ended up getting benched uh, for Caleb Williams. And then basically that whole team transferred to USC, including, you know, the head coach, Caleb Williams, a ton of their playmakers, everything. So Rattler was sort of left to kind of figure out his own fate. And he joins, you know, Shane Beamer in Columbia. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I could definitely see this one being like close, closer than the line suggests. Mm -hmm. However, when I'm going back and looking at Georgia State, I look at the way that they opened their season last year. I mean, they played Army in Week One and lost by 33. Yeah, and then lost to North Carolina the week after by 42. Mm-hmm. And it last season wasn't exactly a, a banner year for UNC. So I, I'm not gonna. I wouldn't pick. I'm not gonna really pick this game because of how inconsistent Georgia State is. But it could be either you know, uh, a field goal game, or they could be ha- ha- get handed one of those 31-point blowouts like they did to start last year.
1: Yeah, um, uh, if I can jump in, I agree with you. That would a miserable start. And again, no coach is going to go out there and say that we want to lose the first game. But head coach Sean Elliott, um, from what I know of him, uh, speaking with him, interviewing him and whatnot, I would be incredibly surprised if they had as terrible as a start this year as last. I think um, there were a lot of starters. When we look back at those like army games and the UNC games, there was a quarterback controversy. There was a running back controversy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think this is a really different team week one to week one. Um, But again, anything can really happen, especially when you're playing these teams that are supposed to be better than you.
0: Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens in that game that along with the Army Coastal Carolina game are, I think, the two most intriguing games of the weekend uh, as far as Sunbelt play goes to me. Um, And then getting into the last game of the night, eight o'clock kick. Ewell Monroe has to travel to Texas uh, in Austin to face the Longhorns. Texas is a thirty seven and a half point favorite over under sixty four and a half. I'm going to start this off by saying I don't think Texas is going to lose this game. But how Zeke, how Texas would it be if UL Monroe lost this game by four points? <laughs> that, I mean,
1: that's Texas, man. Um, you know they're they're the antithesis of Army, right? They've got this. They're going to lose games they shouldn't, or at least make it close when they shouldn't. Um, I, but I think Bijan Robinson's just going to like trample them you know uh quarterback Quinn yep. Ewers uh this will be his first as far as uh my understanding is going to be his first snaps not just his first start but Quinn Ewers the quarterback for Texas this will be his first snaps of the uh NCA, so could see some lackluster passing from Texas but they've got the running back power to just not even concern themselves with Monroe
0: yeah I mean like you said Bijan Robinson. I wouldn't – he's touted honestly to be um, – and you can tell I play like dynasty fantasy football. But he he's purported to be like one of the best, I think, prospects coming out in the last like five years or so. Mm-hmm. And that's even including like Brees Hall last year. Um, and I think that it, a lot of people wouldn't be shocked if he he was like a late first-round pick like in the draft. Um, so I think that's going to be way too much for you Monroe to handle. However, like I said, it would be hilarious if, if they came out and Quinn Ewers didn't exactly know what was going on and, and threw two picks, uh, and, and for some reason, you know, late in the game, the Warhawks are, are driving to tie it or try to win it. And Texas just comes up with a late turnover or something. And it ends up being, you know, 34, 31 final score. Yeah, um, I'm not going to put
1: my money on that. Um, but I, if you were to ask me if that's within the realm of possibility, I'm saying most definitely.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put any money on Texas being winning this game by more than 38 points either. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's kind of a, that's a little bit of a fool's bit Yeah, uh, anytime you believe in Texas. Um, yeah. So that is the slate for Week One. You know, we've got a full. Complement of games in this one zeke i'm sure you're looking forward to georgia state south carolina is that the game sort of of the weekend for you
1: looking through my list uh obviously that's going to be the one i'm keeping the closest eye on um but i think app state north carolina will be interesting uh as you mentioned great opportunity for app state to like really plant their flag and say we're legit Um, similar with coastal. Um, if you can beat army here, you can say we're here and we're not, you know, this isn't a fluke over the past two seasons. Um, so those are kind of my two top picks. Um, if you're asking me to pick one, it's app state, North Carolina.
0: Okay. Um, one under the radar game that I like, and I, just because I want to see what both teams are made of is, is Liberty and Southern Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we talked about it, but both teams are sort of, Trying to figure out what they're made of coming into this year. So, like I said, I was a little surprised at the betting line being only three and a half to to Liberty. Um, we'll see what Southern Miss can end up doing, but that is Week One in the Sun Belt. Zeke, any final uh, you know sort of wrap up thoughts and uh, tell folks where they can find you on social media.
1: Um, I've got nothing really much to add. I will ask you, Brian, is there any other college football games you're gonna be watching this weekend keeping a close eye on?
0: Uh I mean the easy cop out answer is Notre Dame and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um because that is that is kind of the game of the weekend. This this Oregon Georgia game intrigues me as well because Oregon picked up Georgia's defensive coordinator. Yeah, and Landon. And I've never personally, I mean, they've had a couple prospects, but I've never seen Oregon with a physical defense. You know, they are always a lot of flash. They score a lot of points, things like that. So I'm interested to see what, what those two games look like to me. Do you have any other sort of out-of-sunbelt games for this opening weekend?
1: Uh, you know, my pick was going to be Georgia-Oregon. I'm a Georgia student. Go dogs! Um, but – I think that, and as you mentioned, the Ohio um, Notre Dame are the two cop out, but the the only real
0: answers on the slate. Yeah, for sure. Well, Zeke, as we as we sort of wrap up, tell folks where they can find you on social media. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo,
1: Z E K E P A L E R M O. Uh, that's where we talk about Georgia State stuff, Sun Belt stuff, the podcast, um, and you know, as we start to get more into the full NCAA season. Um, probably just a lot of college football. How about yourself, Brian?
0: Yeah. As always, people can find me on Twitter at watch the stone. Um, it's exciting not only to have football back, but with these new teams uh, in the conference, it's it's always interesting because we just flat have more football to talk about as far yeah. as the Sun Bowl goes. And that that also intrigues me sort of breaking down these new teams and seeing where where they kind of stand in the hierarchy of the conference. But Yeah, so that's going to do it. Uh, We'll be back next week to recap all these week one games and get into week two. This has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast.